There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. 97.1 FM, The Drive, presents the Behind the Song Podcast, taking you deeper into classic rock's most timeless tunes. Here's your host, Janda. In this episode of Behind the Song, let's take a run through the swampy lyrics of Born on the Bayou by Credence Clearwater Revival. Born on the Bayou is really a song about imagination born out of chaos. It is one of several that John Fogarty wrote that tied in with each other's swampy vibe on the Bayou Country album, released in 1969. The others on that album being Proud Mary and Keep On Chugalin'. What's interesting about the song, the album, and indeed Credence's signature blues-based swamp rock sound is that this is a band not from Louisiana's Bayou Country, but from Northern California in Berkeley. So what resonated so much from the heat-filled swamp with John Fogarty that he would steer the band to lock in a signature sound that seems to steam up from the mud, unlike anything near what he had probably experienced at the time he conceived of it? First, let's take a look at what was going on at the time. More than anything, Credence was a band that somehow managed to reflect late 1960s America as a whole, as opposed to the rest of the Northern California rock scene that was exploding at the time. Bands like The Grateful Dead and Jefferson Airplane had little to do with CCR. They were hardworking, took odd jobs to make ends meet, they weren't into drugs, and were single-minded about their musical ascension. They played a brand of rock and roll that was rebellious and contrarian, sure, but also deeply seated in an everyman attitude. And the songs were far from a psychedelic journey, and all about the classic beginning, middle, and the end, born from years of John Fogarty listening to and studying artists like Carl Perkins and Johnny Cash. It was blue-collar garage rock, given texture by Fogarty's lyrical craftsmanship, overdriven guitar amps, and what came to be his signature blues howl, a throwback to legends like Muddy Waters and Howlin' Wolf. By 1967, Fogarty had been discharged from the Army Reserves, having narrowly missed being drafted into the military to serve in Vietnam. Then, 1968 happened. The year was rife with unrest, with anti-war and civil rights protests taking the headlines almost daily. Both Bobby Kennedy and Martin Luther King Jr. were assassinated, and the Democratic National Convention in Chicago erupted in a clash between police and civilians. America was in turmoil, and more than any other band, Credence Clearwater Revival's music during this time seemed to speak to that, if not directly through the lyrics, then through their dramatic overall tone. They'd stumbled upon a sound for the times. Swamp rock, garage rock, bar rock, southern rock, roots rock, whatever you want to call it, Credence Clearwater Revival was really born from unrest, from the world at large and internally. The band itself had been operating for over a decade before they had their first hit with Suzy Q in 1968, after which Fogarty began taking the reins of the band and their sound more and more. 
a takeover that increasingly caused strife with the rest of CCR, including with his own older brother Tom, who played rhythm guitar and would eventually depart the group in 1971 over infighting. But back to the bayou. The imagery of a swamp is easily conjured up. Hot, sultry, dangerous. It also seems a distinctly American place. The bayou country is prime for myth-making, with its eerie sounds and wild animals, gators and panthers. Bayou country has long been an insular place, its people mistrustful of outsiders, adhering completely to their own way of life, knowing how to survive. It's a way of life that would seem downright mystical to a person from Northern California, like John Fogarty, and it was. He had never stepped foot in a bayou. He explained in the book Bad Moon Rising, the unofficial history of Credence Clearwater Revival, that Born on the Bayou was about a mythical childhood and a heat-filled time, the 4th of July. He says he put it in the swamp where, of course, he had never lived. He was trying to be a pure writer, no guitar in hand, visualizing and looking at the bare walls of his apartment. He also said the song and the sound was influenced by gospel music and old movies. He told American Songwriter magazine that he loved an old movie called Swamp Fever and said that every other bit of Southern Bayou information had entered his imagination from the time he was born. He said it all sort of collided in a meditation about that song. He said he knew that the sound and the story went together. Quote, I can't tell you why. End quote. The music in the song is serpentine and stealthy throughout, a contrast to Fogarty's vocal delivery and a perfect fit for the lyrics. Born on the Bayou goes like this. Now, when I was just a little boy, standing to my daddy's knee, my papa said, son, don't let the man get you. Do what he done to me, cause he'll get you, cause he'll get you now. Fogarty's own father was a printing press operator and, as he says in his book, an alcoholic. Could he have heard these warnings from his own father's boozy rants to not let the proverbial man keep him down? It goes on. And I can remember the 4th of July, running through the backwood bear. And I can still hear my old hound dog barking, chasing down a hoodoo there. Born on the bayou. So our character here is remembering good times, running around barefoot and free with his dog in the swamp. Hoodoo is a kind of African folk magic, and a hoodoo is a kind of ghost, an apparition or spirit. In folklore, a hoodoo may not necessarily mean you harm, but it isn't from this earth and should be approached with caution. So in the song here, he and his dog get on the trail of a hoodoo in the backwoods, which isn't unusual if you're born on the bayou. You can almost see the sun setting on the Spanish moss hanging down over the water and what lurks beneath. The song goes on. Wish I was back on the bayou, rolling with some Cajun queen. Wishing I were a fast freight train, just a chugling on down to New Orleans. Born on the bayou. Now, we probably first hear of a Cajun queen in popular music in the country songs Big Bad John and Cajun Queen by Jimmy Dean back in the early 60s. A Cajun queen is a good-looking woman from Louisiana, tough and strong and a real heartbreaker. As an aside, 
A Cajun queen during New Orleans Mardi Gras festival is the name sometimes given to a man dressed as a woman, flamboyant and statuesque. At any rate, our character is reflecting on his desire to be back in the bayou with a Cajun queen or on a train heading down to New Orleans, where he knows he will have a riotous good time. Chugalin can really only be defined by John Fogarty, as he explains it in the lyrics of another song on the Bayou Country album, Keep On Chugalin, where he says, Maybe you don't understand it, but if you're a natural man, you got to ball and have a good time, and that's what I call Chugalin. Do it, do it, do it, do it. Oh Lord, get back, boy. And then the verse is repeated. I can remember the 4th of July running through the backwood bear, and I can still hear my old hound dog barking, chasing down a hoodoo there. And the song ends with a slinky fade, with Born on the Bayou repeated, and Fogarty dissolving into a series of grunts and doot-doot-doot-doos. This was the first song that Creedence Clearwater Revival performed in a headlining set at Woodstock, in a 50-minute set that began after midnight. Some have forgotten about this, as their set did not surface in either the movie about the event or its soundtrack due to constant disagreements within the band and to squabbling with their record label at the time. That omission probably cost the band some promotion and publicity, maybe even a number one spot on the charts, but alas, it was not meant to be. On that note, CCR bear the dubious distinction of having the most number two hit singles in rock and roll, five total, without ever reaching number one on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. They've sold over 30 million albums in the U.S. alone, triple that worldwide, and their influence can be heard in bands like Nirvana, Kings of Leon, and many more. I believe their music stands the test of time because the songs continue to have relevance when it comes to portraying the pulse and the pain of America, even today. And as to Fogarty's embrace of Southern imagery to build a world for the Credence Clearwater Revival sound, I'd say he nailed it. What better place than a wild, funky bayou to address the situation in the world at the time and to align with the rhythms that he conjured up, chasing down a hoodoo there, so to speak. And maybe like me, you can personally relate to having a love affair with a place before even once stepping foot in it. Chicago certainly captured my imagination long before I moved to the city of big shoulders. I'm Janda, and this has been Behind the Song. Special thanks to Christian Lane for sound design and engineering. On the way, episodes on songs from the Eagles, the Pretenders, the Rolling Stones, and more classic rock and roll. <laughs>